How are you doing? Welcome. This is a sound purchase with me, Halifax Hospital Radio's Barry Peters. The lads are going to be on very shortly, young Stefan and young Jake. So keep it locked. None of your shit, only your proper songs. This is our sound purchase. Episode 35. 1996 is Pinkerton by... Weezer! Yeah! So we're here to talk about Weezer, Pinkerton. I mean, where do we start? Weezer are a, uh, they're an American rock band formed in, uh, I'm, I've not heard of this place before, so I, I might pronounce it wrong, but I think it's Los, Los Angeles, Angel, Angel, Angeles, Los Angeles. I'm not 100% sure. It's, it's, it's in California. Angels. It's obviously one of those small towns in California, you know, yeah. um, around all the important places like San Francisco. Yeah, that sort of place. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Lo- Los Ang- Angeles. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to yeah. go with Angeles. I think that sounds right. So they formed in 1992. At the time of recording, this album consisted of Rivers Cuomo, Brian Bell, or Matt Sharp, and Patrick Wilson. I learned while doing this that Brian Bell wasn't their original guitarist. I, I thought he'd always been in the band. No, it was a guy called um, Jason Cropper, and he was in the band till just before the Blue Album finished recording. So even though... The liner notes on the Blue Album say guitars, Brian Bell. It was actually Rivers Cuomo that re-recorded them. Yeah. And Brian Bell just did the backing vocals. Uh, he he redid the... Uh, so he's he's done the old Dave Grohl, has he? Well, no, because they, they knew they were getting rid of Jason Cropper. They just didn't have time for Brian Bell to come in to record the guitar parts. So, so Rivers right. did it instead. Matt Sharp... Sadly, ended up leaving the band for reasons that we will get into later on. So this was Weezer's second album. It kind of replaced the original plan for the second album, which was uh, Tales from the Black Hole, which was a, a rock opera that they were planning to do because it was the 90s. I've got to do a rock opera. Why not? Oh, the 90s are so good, though, because everybody just seemed to have like crazy freedom yeah. to just go around and do what they want, and all the record companies were just chucking out money so that people could sit and, you know. I think to a degree, yeah, the, eight, the 80s and the 90s were uh, were good times to have, you know, but just do whatever the fuck you wanted, basically. Yeah. So they were just throwing yeah. stuff at the wall to see what stuck, you know. Dropping spoons on the floor. Yeah, exactly. And it was, yeah. you know, a transitional period for recording and things like that. There was a lot more um, digital recording coming in and... It was mm, an interesting mm. time, new ways of doing things, you know. Yep. But yeah, this was um, it was a lot more introspective and personal uh, for Rivers Cuomo mm-hmm. than the Blue Album mm-hmm. had been. And it flopped hard at the time. This album wasn't particularly... Flopped harder than LeBron James. There you go. <laughs> oh. there's, there's a button for you. There you go. Uh, yep. Yeah, it, it didn't do very well. Did you well. lose your train of thought because... Uh, I flopped in the, into that sentence. You, you did flop into the LeBron James. It's a weird word, yeah, flop, isn't it? Flop. Flop. Flop, flop, flop. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if it flopped at the time, probably because they were they were quite hesitant to do any music videos for it. Rivers Cuomo had like a, a vision in his head of how he wanted the music to be seen and perceived, and he didn't want videos getting in the way and other people having their spin on how a song should be. And uh, it was at a time where not having a lot of MTV, particular, you know, play in particular mm. would make would kind of break the band. 
So even though they were famous for, you know, for being Weezer and, you know, Buddy Holly was huge and The Sweat Song was huge and... Um, Say It Ain't So. Say It Ain't So. I don't think My Name Is Jonas was a single, but it was still a huge song. And not doing that just kind of, yeah, really downplayed it. And a lot of people thought it was a little bit... Too raw? Yeah, maybe too raw. Juvenile? Juvenile, maybe. But it's it's obviously, it's gone on to be regarded by, you know, fans of Weezer as, as one of their best, if not their best albums. Most mm. people fall into the Blue Album is the best album or Pinkerton is the best album. No one thinks Make Believe or Maladroit or... You might get some Green Album fans. I didn't mind the Green Album. Green Album was fine, but it, it was, you know, it was what it was. It was just like them kind of reacting to the negativity of this album, coming mm. back after a massive hiatus and being like, right, we're just going to go back to, mm. you know, basics here. Apparently big influence. This was a big influence on a lot of the following like emo bands and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And we'll we'll get into that a little bit later as well. Yeah. I think probably because of how personal and almost sort of like unfiltered mm. a lot of the lyrics are. And you gotta you gotta respect that. You know, you gotta yeah, respect yeah. the the fairly brutal honesty of the man yeah. to sit there, you know, and just lay it all out on the line. Yeah. There's there is no filter, like you say. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, other than obviously his own personal experience of having gone uh, back to Harvard, I believe it was. Yep, it was. Yeah, going to Harvard to do was what was he at Harvard to do? Was it songwriting? Like, uh, uh, I think uh, he was composing. doing English, English, and and some music as well. Yeah, some, some, probably some a double of, major. Yeah. He seems like a smart dude. Word is he's a smart egg. Yeah, but apparently, the other big inspiration for this one was a uh, an opera called Madame Butterfly. Mm. It's about a uh, an American naval officer goes to Japan, marries a very young geisha lady, gets her pregnant, and goes back to America. And this is all uh, based on very quick Wikipedia synopsis. Yeah. I've I've not seen it. <laughs> yeah, comes back. She's like, ah, baby. He's like, right, taking you back to America. You stay here. Then she kills herself, and he kind of goes, oh no, what have I done? I didn't even have to tell him to line that up and edit it out or anything. He just knew. We're, we're what, 33 <laughs> episodes in at this point, Jake, you know? Yeah. Spoilers, by the way, uh, for Madam Butterfly. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. But that's that's basically the, the gist of it. Mm. Anything you'd like to to add? I mean, I, normally we talk about how did you first get into Weezer? I'm going to assume it was Hashpipe. I think it was, actually. I think my dad was like, Oi, get in here. Get in here, boy. Because they had uh, the sumo wrestlers on on the video, yeah. and he always thought that was really cool, the sumos fighting in slow-mo. Yeah, same same here. Kerrang! used yeah. to get a lot of play. MTV2. Yep. And then yeah. I think uh, I was I was just getting into guitar at the time as well. Mm. Uh, it was just at that point where I wasn't quite good enough to play the riff, if you can imagine. Because, I mean, it's, it's a pretty simple riff, but it's pretty simple, this is but... how green I was. Oh, oh. Yeah, uh, uh, how green hey. I was in my guitar playing I was still playing like the James Bond theme and those little kind of early songs but anyway playing anything power chords was a big step power chords was a huge step and so anyway I've got distinct memories of watching like the top 100 rock songs and blah 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 mm. and like hearing uh, Say It Ain't So and just like being having my mind blown <laughs> at the chords they're playing and how that little kind of little guitar solo interlude sounds so jazzy, but it's like a hardcore rock song. And, mm. you know, just there was something really different about Weezer than all the other bands I was listening to, like Sum 41, Blink-182, they're all Blink-182, yeah. whatever, fight me. 
but they were all um, very straight ahead with their music. This is this is pre like two thousand and three. This is pre I miss you and down and all of those, you know, more yeah. upset Blink One Eight Two songs. But anyway, I digress. Weezer just seemed like they had something different about them. You know, they just seemed to be that next level up. They're not just your average couple of mid twenty guys in a band. Mm. They're actually they're in it for the long haul sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So, and I, I kind of found as well after the success of, of like Hash Pipe and Island in the Sun. Oh, yeah, I think there was, the a, there was a bit of a there was a bit of a resurgence for tracks yeah. like you say Buddy Holly in particular. I remember used to get played. Yeah, less so. I don't know how it was for you guys, but over here, less so. Um, oh, the Blue Album uh, is say still it ain't so in high rotation on New mm. Zealand radio. It, it's I, almost like you know we are in the mid nineties kind of thing. The Blue <laughs> Album is probably there. I would hazard a guess to say that Radio Hodaki is playing a song from the Blue Album once a day. Nothing Still. wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, I remember Buddy Holly got played a lot. Undone the mm. uh, the Sweater song got played quite a lot. Say It Ain't So didn't really get the same kind of play that those two did. But I think that was because, once again, Hash Pipe and Island in the Sun were getting a lot of play. Yeah. Then when Maladroit came out, Keep Fishing was getting a lot of play because, you know, it's the Muppets. That, oh, that's the Muppets, Muppets one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's, it's exactly the same sort of thing for me for how I first got into Weezer. Green album came out, and singles were great. Yeah, uh, I had an easy time because I was playing bass. So okay, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I, I no will playing. have to add though that now this this sounds very hipster, and I don't necessarily mean it to be, but I seemed to get into Weezer before most of my peers did. Most of my peers started to listen to Weezer around make believe, mm, and yeah. more importantly, they started to listen to it. Around the worst lead single off any album. I'm sorry, Rivers. I'm sorry, everybody. But Beverly Hills is not the Weezer kind of the smart no. music, the smart man's music that I thought they were capable of. I thought that's very, maybe tongue in cheek might be the best way to do it mm. because it seemed like they were just dialing it in there. Yeah, but it probably made them a load of money. So they, they're probably like, we don't care. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, you know anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I've oh. got a couple of couple of notes. Yeah, this album was self-produced. Oh yes, yes it was. And as it was self-produced, we've talked a lot about self-produced records. There mm. wasn't nearly enough vibra slap for a self-produced record. <laughs> they showed far too much restraint, and they needed to be much looser with the vibra slap. Yeah, I can get behind. I'm considering. Uh, I say well, we're, I'm doing some recording coming up, and I'm seriously considering buying a vibra slap. They're only like twelve pounds. They're cheap yeah. as chips, man. Yeah, I saw them on Amazon. Yeah, exactly. I was literally thinking about getting one for Brendan and gifting it to him <laughs> because that would just be perfect on stage. <laughs> anyway, Rolling Stone readers at the time rated Pinkerton the third worst album of nineteen ninety six. Yeah, but I do want to point out they were in some really strong kind of. They had some really strong competition because, well, we had some. Sparkle Horse. We did. Supposed to have a supposed to have a sting for that, but I can't remember what the sting was. All aboard. So yeah, out out that same year we also have Viva Dixie Submarine Transmission Plot, which we did cover in this this very podcast. And Murder Ballads, 
by friend of the show, mm. Nick Cave. Odelay by Beck. I haven't got a haven't got a sting for Beck. And come find yourself by the fun loving criminals. I mean, there was there was a lot of good stuff. Um, there was a I mean, lot of good stuff. Yeah, those Empire, are just some to name. Yeah, exactly. All eyes on me. That tall album that I can't pronounce. Uh, is it Enema? Yeah. Enema? Who knows? Anima? Yeah. I don't know. It's got a weird symbol, so I can't read. Um, it's worth noting, though, like Jake said, that many retrospective reviews for Pinkerton gave the album a perfect or almost perfect score. For instance, I think Consequence of Sound ranked all of Weezer's albums, including the new Van Weezer and OK Human. And it was not the blue album at the top. It was Pinkerton. Mm. Yeah. For those that have been tracking our many 90s alt records with uh, our weird little bonus tracks, I am really sad to say that even though this is a self-produced record and they could have done anything they wanted, (laughs) there is no bonus track on this record. Shed a tear now, people. Shed a tear. No bonus track, no micro tracks. In that regards, it it is disappointing. (laughs) It is, you know, (laughs) yeah. I, but, you know, I got very excited when uh, when we were doing this one. I haven't I haven't listened to this. You've been telling me to listen to this for years. So <laughs> yeah, I got I very have. excited, and it was just yeah. I will point out though that I did listen to this at some point. I think last summer, I put this on uh, because Weezer were getting some heat again with the Teal album, and I think we'd just talked about the Teal album on the uh, covers episode, the top ten covers. Yeah. So I put this on, and I was like. Ooh, what does Jake <laughs> see in this? However, I think your genius ploy has been to like absolutely drown me in mid nineties alt rock and very jagged guitars and lo-fi guitars. And now I saw when I listened to this again, a couple of weeks ago, prepping for this episode, I was like, Ooh, mm. Ooh, la la. Yes. Uh, I, I've got to say actually something I've noticed while listening through to this album so much recently, it's not a lot of clean guitar no. <laughs> on this album. Even no. in, like the quiet bits and things like this, it's yeah. all quite heavily distorted, or at very least, it's kind of like got a bit of crunch to it. It's not really. Um, yeah. I think I, I outside of an acoustic guitar, I think I clocked with clocked it less than one minute of clean guitar on this album. <laughs> lightweight, lightweight. Yeah. Well, okay then. Uh, so, oh, a couple more notes to to go through. I've got liner notes here. Yeah. So produced by Weezer, written by Rivers. Mm. There's, I don't, I don't know how many engineers on this. At least six. Yeah, there's one, two, six, seven engineers. So close. Yeah. Three different recording dates. They recorded at Sound City. Yeah. Which is cool. That's the same places like Damn the Torpedoes, mm. um, Rumors, Nirvana's Nevermind. Dave Grohl owns that desk now, I think. I think he, that's the desk oh, he put he? into his garage. Nice. He took like the, the Rumors desk out of Sound City because they were closing <laughs> anyway and just put it into his garage and he uses that. I mean, fuck it, why not if he's Dave Grohl? Yeah, like... exactly. They recorded also at Fort Apache Studios in Boston. I guess that's because of Harvard. Yeah. Hollywood Sound, 
which I, I believe I might be wrong, but I think that's where um, part of Pet Sounds was recorded. Possibly, I'd have to check. Yeah, um, Rumbo Recorders in Canoga Park and Electric Lady Studios, which was Jimi mm. Hendrix's studio, obviously Electric Lady in New York City. Yep. But also it was mixed at Ocean Way Recording. Yeah. Which is where Blake Mills, I think, episode six of a sound purchase. We're going through all of the old episodes here, Absolutely. but that's where he recorded. Well, I- but this is the thing that made me really sit up here, Jake. Photography on the album, all one photograph, as you can see. <laughs> Spike Jones. Yeah. Uh, friend, good friend of the band, I would assume, because he's done yeah. a fair few bits with them. Uh, obviously, yeah. he did. Um, he did undone the sweater song, right? That was Spike Jones did the video. Was it? I think so. And he did. Did he do know. Island on the Sun, or he did one of the videos for Island Island in the Sun? I've got his Wikipedia open right here. Oh, he did Buddy Holly. Oh, Buddy Holly, that was it, not Undone. And he did Undone I, the sweater song. Right. He's done some Ween work. He's done some Far Side, Daft Punk, Puff Daddy, Pavement. Yeah, he's a biggie, prolific man. Is Spike Jones. Yeah, good, all round good. Wonderboy. Oh, can can we just like derail this episode? He did Island and Sun too as well. Wonderboy. Oh my god, I love that song. <laughs> like, I was listening to a a, a version. Tenacious D did a um like a, I think it was like a twenty year anniversary or whatever. It's been that long. And it's some. Oh, it's got to be around there somewhere, right? It was somewhere early two thousands. But they're all distanced in their studios mm. and doing it and. Oh, man, there is something really magical about that song. Pun intended, because it's all about magic and so on, mm. but that song is just fantastic. Seriously, that's yeah. that's one of those songs that's just always captured my imagination. It's a great song. It's fun to play yeah. as well. So much fun to play. It's very fun to play, yeah. I'm going to bring it back on track. Uh, so the reason, the reason it was recorded in so many different places is it was all fitting around his um, uh, Rivers Cuomo's uh, Harvard mm schedule basically for his semesters and things mm-hmm. like that because mm-hmm. um, obviously he, he wanted his degree you know <laughs> well why not you know yeah. he didn't really need it because he was in a mega successful rock band but um, he wanted it so he was gonna the, the, the degree came first by the sounds of it and then the album second let's have a listen Kids 
All right. Alright. So now that we've had a listen, let's uh, move on, right? So album kicks off with Tired of Sex. So Rivers Cuomo it was kind of decided after you know, living the rock and roll lifestyle, going back to university, sorry, college. Uh, after deciding to go back to college, he uh, was gonna be celibate. He was done. That was it. No more. I Lord knows why. Um so it's such a privileged white guy thing. To do. Yeah, definitely. As you can imagine, it's it's about being tired and disillusioned with sexual promiscuity. Promiscuity? You don't say. Yeah, I do say. Yeah. I do say. Did, I thought he had buried the lead. Yeah, said he was celibate for two years while attending Harvard. So, you know, fair enough. And while he was there, he wrote a, uh, an essay titled A Mad and Serious Master for a Harvard English Class in which he uh, discusses the perils of celibacy and concludes that Morridge... Uh, Marriage. Porridge. He concludes that... Is that a mixture of something and porridge? Mud and basically porridge. Basically, porridge is the only way to go. <laughs> it is the only answer, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like that bit Forget in American six. Pie, but instead of an, an yeah. apple pie, <laughs> you don't want it to be too warm. You know, it's not fresh <laughs> oh, off the hop. Oh, hell hole. no. Uh, but porridge... Is that how Goldilocks was testing? <laughs> uh, oh, dear. That got dark. That got dark. <laughs> got to keep it in there. Okay. Um, but no. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, he just, <laughs> he just concludes, he concludes that marriage, or at least monogamous love, is the answer. What was the question? We don't know. But, right. but that is the answer. I mean, it's got a fairly interesting riff to, uh, to get us starting off with. No, we've got a bit of yeah. uh, the feedback at the beginning, which... I love the feedback. It kind of reminds me of uh, Friends of the Show. Cake. <laughs> but not necessarily the fashion nugget cake. It's more like the later Comfort Eagle kind of, mm. where they get a bit more synth-based. Really reminds me of that that feedback and the synth lines in the intro. I really like that. Yeah. Um, you get a cool synth line at the beginning. You don't get a lot mm-hmm. of synth in this album or in a lot of Weezer albums, but... Um... You do hear. I'm trying to think. When they did Africa, did they use a synth for the um, solo y- or did they actually use Weird Al on the I on think the they actually used Weird Al on the accordion. Yeah. I mean, I mean if you're going to... Better than any synth. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if you've got him Weird Al on the phone, you're going to use him, right? Yeah. Bass sound. Love the bass sound, great, um, quite gritty bass sound, which is kind mm. of prevalent throughout the album. It could be a bit mm-hmm. farty later on in the album, which you don't mm-hmm. really get so much in this song, but um, just a nice driven bass line. Well, the sound in general is really raw, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, yeah, know, and especially the uh, the vocals in that chorus. Yeah, which is a you know, it's, it's, it's an yeah. interesting chorus because it's just a build up. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm. I'm counting like the riff part as the chorus where he starts like just screaming Help. over the like, over the riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
that's where I'm like, that's very raw. You can almost hear the the mic peeking out. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. When it goes back in. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, drums, they just sort of follow the follow the rhythm, uh, follow the rhythm of the riff. Yep. As you expect, it's drums. They do rhythm. Uh, he's a he's a very underrated drummer. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll kind of mention this a bit more in, well, I was going to mention it in the next song, but... Um, Mention yeah. it in the next. We'll one. mention it. In we'll, the next we'll, one. we'll keep everybody in anticipation. Oh, oh. Yeah. So yeah, first weird chorus where it's basically just a build up. Um, mm-hmm. Verse two, we get guitars. That, that, sorry, that chorus has not left my brain for the last <laughs> like week. Every time, like every time I get a quiet moment, it's just going. Yeah. Go Wednesday on, night, I'm yeah. seeing Denise. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite keen to get rid of this episode is, so that will leave my head. So would you say this has been like the catchiest chorus for you then? Over, over, um, some, over something like El Scorcho? El Scorcho! No. Well, yeah, I think so. I think it's probably because I've heard the song the most because it starts off the album. Yeah, I keep putting the true. album on. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, so it doesn't matter how many times I stop the album, I always start back. You always hear this at one. The beginning. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That is, yeah. um, that's very fair. Um, but yeah, first two, we get guitars. They basically just do the bass line. We get a chorus again. And then a solo, which has uh, a very odd choice of guitar tone in that it's not particularly cutting or or distinct. It's just sort of mm. muddy and a bit... It's just sort of there. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like, so imagine you've got like some old graffiti on a wall and mm. rather than having the fresh new graffiti go over the top to really kind of cut through, you just add like a bit of background graffiti to the existing stuff. It's sort of almost like That's that. That's a really good analogy. <laughs> Thank you. I literally just came up with it now. <laughs> yeah, I really like that analogy. There you go. Yeah, it definitely adds yeah. something, but it's it's just like you, you you could miss it if you weren't paying attention, you know, because it doesn't yeah. make you go, ooh. You know, there's no big yeah, jump yeah, in. Yeah. There's no big boost in guitar volume or anything like that. It's, it's just... It's not the main part of the song, is it, really? No, it's, it's just like... Uh, Understated. Yeah, exactly. I like the false ending. Oh, yeah, the false ending. Yeah, we've got. I've got that. Written that down works there. for me. I do. And uh, this track is just passion, angst. Yeah. And this track has so much passion, angst, and it's just a really good opener. It's up there. It's definitely up there. Um, I'd agree with you on yeah. that. And I say I'm a sucker for a false ending. Um, yeah. It's like. Oh, this is a pretty good one though. Like, oh know, yeah. There's somewhere it's just a bit like, hmm. You know, no. I, did you need to do I that? I think my favourite false ending has got to be um, from Queens of the Stone Age's Songs for the Deaf. I feel like uh, Millionaire is what they call but it's not called Millionaire. It's, uh, bear with me. We'll just, we'll just edit. Chameleonaire. Not Chameleonaire. Riding Dirty. The first track. You think I ain't worth a dollar, but I feel like a millionaire. Right. Uh, the full stop in that is yeah. uh, the best full stop of all time. Right, that's about all I've got for this one. You? All right. No, let's round that one out. Let's play it out. (laughs) 
Uh, and we're back. We're back. We're back in the room. I feel one day we should say like the player out thing and it should be like keyboard cat or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, no. I like it. The classic. Uh, get you. Get you, get man. You. Get you. Great word. Yeah. Uh, so this was going to be a track from Weezer's uh, rock opera, Songs from the Black Hole. Obviously, they didn't do Songs from the Black Hole in the end. They they don't, they made Pinkerton. Yeah. Which is, you know, I, I think it's probably in the long run been a much better decision. I don't think a rock opera would have probably held up quite as well. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some beloved rock operas, you know, uh, Rocky Horror, Bat Out of Hell, that's it. Your second album following like a massive smash hit album and you're going to release a rock opera. Yeah, I mean... I can imagine being like the A&R guy and just like listening on the phone like, Rivers, my man, how's it going? You got some plans for that next follow-up album? We got some Buddy Holly 2 coming, some Say It Ain't So 2 coming. And he's like, well, actually, I want to do a rock opera. And they just, huh? What? What? Well, yeah. So they didn't. They didn't go down the rock opera route. They went down the Pinkerton no. route. Yep. Which is still based on an opera, and it is a rock album. So you know, mm. some would say they've still made a rock opera album. They'd be wrong, but they can still say it. It's probably the angriest sounding song on the album. Get you. Yep. Definitely kind of like the most abrasive. It's like someone scrubbed your ears out with like some steel wool. Very abrasive. Yep. This is the one where I kind of noticed. What we were saying before about Patrick Wilson's drumming, I, I'd never really paid that much attention to it. Uh, but you should, you should definitely pay attention to it uh, because it's brilliant. It's really musical. It's not not very technical or like fancy, but it's just really, really musical playing. And it turns out he's a very talented man. He plays all of the instruments mm-hmm. apart from apparently the vibra slap. You know, I mean, he could probably play the play the vibra slap. I, th- I feel like he's like uh, he's qualified enough. Hey. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But um, you'd think so. I mean, yeah. it might be one of those things. Every time he hits it, it's just like it falls apart or something. Yeah, that could be the curse. <laughs> yeah, being so good at every um, instrument, he can't play the vibra slap. It's like or the uh, cowbell airplane, where he's like, and that's when I developed my drinking problem, and he keeps splashing himself <laughs> yeah. in the face with the drink. So every time Patrick Wilson goes to hit the vibra slap, he actually misses. Yeah, yeah. or he just hits it so hard, it it just shatters. Or that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Every time, just shatters. Boom. So yeah. So no. I, well, just whilst we're on Patrick Wilson, mm. not Patrick Wilson, as in from Watchmen. His name. Not that Patrick. Wilson. What's his name? Patrick Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Ah. He also played Orm on uh, Aquaman. Okay. Patrick Wilson. Oh, what the actor, yep. not the in... character. No, no, no. Yeah, the actor. But anyway, anyway, he's the one that always sticks out to me because he just looks like a dad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody else in the band is like rock and roll, dude. I mean, Rivers has got the whole kind of Buddy Holly rock and roll kind of nerdy look mm. down, and the rest of them look like, yeah, I'm in a band. And then there's just Patrick Wilson in his cargo shorts, got his side pockets because they're, you know, they're comfortable and they're convenient. You can put your wallet in there and, you know, no. so on. You know, he drives a Prius kind of thing. <laughs> he just. He just strikes me as that guy, and it's it's, it's a real case of yeah, not judging the book by its, it's cover. The, yeah, the the cargo shorts, the fact he's bald, the polo shirts. Yeah, mad. Yeah, exactly. Mad frisbee skills. Oh, dude, that's that's when I first actually sat up <laughs> and took a bit of notice of the man. Like, 
Because honestly, like, you know, you listen to Say It Ain't So and the Sweater song and, you know, let's be honest, it's not hard. The do 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 Yeah, and that's... You know, most of us put our own little flair in there. do 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 Yeah, we get a bit of Flanders in there. diddly do And then, um, you know, Patrick Wilson is, he's he's playing simple things, but I saw a video of him actually catch a Frisbee mid... Mid song, like whilst he's playing the drums, he catches a frisbee and returns it back out to the crowd and doesn't even skip a beat. That's mad skills, man. I, I just there's only one thing for him. Patrick Wilson, you get the coveted, and and no one else has received this before. The coveted uh, sound purchase personal thumbs up. Not a double thumbs up, but it's it's a thumbs up, and no one else uh, has ever received it. No one ever has no. the, the personal thumbs up. Um, well done. You're going to have to be doing some pretty amazing stuff to receive a double thumbs up. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll get into that in future episodes. Maybe we won't, but um, well done for you, Patrick. Yeah, Patrick, you the man. You the man. Yeah. Brian, step your game up. Yeah, Jesus, man, you know. Yeah. Although he was one of the first flying V players that I ever saw, and I thought, wow, I thought he cool. used, mostly used uh, uses an explorer these days, doesn't he? I don't know what he plays these days, but he used to have like an was... old um, Kalamazoo, which was like, Did he? yeah, you know, like these crappy old MDF guitars back um, yeah. back when the Blue Album came out. That's what he was using a lot of the time. I I swear he was the first person I saw playing a flying V, and I can't remember where or why. It, he strikes me as someone who probably would have a flying V because why yeah. not? Um, but we're getting sidetracked. We're getting massively sidetracked. And oh, I, okay. I want my dinner. Again. So, right. Um, so right. right. No mucking about with this one. Unlike us, okay. this song gets straight into it with super abrasive guitars. Uh, and mm-hmm. It kind of sounds like a distorted kazoo doing the I was going to say, what is that it's, sound actually it, at the start? <laughs> it, it's like, it isn't. I'm pretty sure it's just like a really weird, horrible guitar, but it sounds like a kazoo that right. they've distorted. And it might well be a, t- a kazoo that they've distorted. I think that's going to be my new instrument. What, the kazoo? I play the distorted kazoo. Yeah. yeah. Electric kazoo. I, um. I plug it into a, a real clon. I pay thousands of pounds for my clon. Real clon. And your, um, your dumb lamp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Costs more than my house. Yeah, exactly. I've got a ribbon mic. And, uh, yeah, I play the kazoo, man. I take it really serious. I've got different kazoos for different pitches. <laughs> this is my baritone kazoo. Yeah, they're like, you know, you play the kazoo with your mouth and you change the pitch of your mouth. No, you don't. No, 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 no. no. Have you not seen me? I have to put different kazoos in for each song, you know. Yeah, it's, you know, well-known thing. It follows a fairly standard formula, this one, doesn't it? You know, yep. it's from a rock opera, so it'll be the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, solo, chorus, outro. Standard 32 bars. And they fit it all into less than three minutes, which is quite impressive because there's a lot going on. uh, There is a lot going on. Uh, I love the no more, whoa, whoa. Love that. Yeah. That's Um, just the coolest thing ever. Mo, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Great chorus, just Um, very simple. It's just get you. Get you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Love that. Which is great.
I really like that. It's it's so balls to the wall. And again, these guys just don't seem like very ballsy fellows. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just it, it makes me laugh for the kind of dichotomy of it all. Yeah. I think that's kind of part of their, their appeal and their shtick, isn't it? Mm. You get a big noisy solo, which is great. Oh, yes. A big noisy, great, great guitar sound going on for that solo. And kind of finishes out with some suitably pained screams over the yep. um, this is beginning to hurt backing. You know, if he was just kind of just kind of going, ah, it, you know, wouldn't do yep. it. But it's nice. beautifully done. All right, that's that's it. Right. Two songs in two the bag. Two songs in the bag. We're going to have to try and blast through. So, no other one. From friends of the show sometimes, apart from when they're not genius.com. And I've got to say, it's been nice doing a, a mainstream album because there's been loads of stuff on genius.com. Yeah. No prizes for guessing what this one is about, and you didn't really need to go to genius.com to work it out. But uh, no other one details the harmful relationship between a narrator and his cheating drug-addicted girlfriend. Ooh. Although the narrator is aware of the issues and strain her drug use is putting on the relationship, he remains with her out of fear of loneliness. And that uh, plays into the, the very first lyrics of the song. My girl's a liar, but I'll stand beside her. She's all I've got, and I don't want to be alone. Basically reworded that opening line. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what the... Right, big things about this one. Three, four, timing, baby. Yeah. Oh, oh. It's about the only weird time signature in this uh, album, which is fine. You know, not every album well, has to have. Well, is not actually even that that weird. No, no, it's not weird at all. But, you know, not every album has to be like Late of the Pier where they have odd time signature <laughs> changes happening every six bars or so. You know. <laughs> Some things just have to be straight up rock, and that's fine. It's another nasty guitar sound to open this one. Yes, I love the guitar on this song. The guitar line and the panning as well on that guitar line. Yeah. I mean, beautiful. I think that was probably just them trying to be a little bit more like, yeah, we're not just going to do Sweater Song 2, mm. Buddy Holly 2. It's like, mm. you know, fair play, fair play. I still, I still can't, I can't just picture anything but their A&R man sitting in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really it's struggling with this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So intro, big nasty guitar, and then it mm -hmm. kind of goes into. It sounds like an almost like an instrumental variation of the chorus. I'm not sure that it is because I, I'll be honest, I couldn't be bothered to sit down and work it out. But um, right. it sounds to me like an instrumental variation of the mm. chorus, which is pretty um, pretty snazzy. This is another. Was one. this one that was would was this one that was going to be in the rock opera? opera that, yeah. I don't think so. I think this that's is a, just... That's a very kind of operatic thing to do. It is, but I don't think this was one. I I, I haven't got that it was in my notes, but to be honest, okay. most of my notes um, I gave up on looking at Wikipedia because I, I couldn't be asked. 
And I was just yeah. going by my my own thoughts and opinions, man. Exactly. Welcome to a sound purchase. All original opinion, apart from when it's genius.com. This is much like the rest of the album. There's not really a lot of clean guitar uh, on this on this yep. one. Just distorted guitars that kind of drop in, drop out, or they'll just change between blasting out chords or picking something. And, and exactly. that's kind of what gives the dynamics for it, which, um, yeah. you know, it's it's a way of doing things, which is, is fair enough. Well, it's it's time, Jake, to talk about those famous Weezer falsetto BVs. Yes, I think we it's time we get into it. Yeah. Now, we haven't mentioned Matt Sharp, Matt Sharp, Matt Sharp, anywhere near enough for us to have an, uh, a long Matt Sharp sting yet. But if I keep mentioning Matt Sharp, <laughs> famously, uh, Matt yeah. Sharp does very silly-sounding backing vocals that when you actually add them into the song are uh, great. They're fantastic. I mean... You've played me the clips of him where someone's geniusly just like cut him only and it's the song with him singing like the lead vocals on parts. And even that sounds pretty good. Yeah. But you know. as a as a full grown man, you must sit there and think, <laughs> Yeah, I, I sing in a band. I, I sing in a band, that's right. I play bass and I, I sing and then someone comes to see you and you're there just going, Oh no. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it must just be like uh, what? <laughs> it can. Yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, there has to be there has to be a an element of machismo about it, you know. Yeah. And good on him for doing it. Good on him for sticking to the falsetto. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, I don't yeah. think I would have the the cojones, pun intended, to do that. Get it? That's us, lads. <laughs> but yeah, so where did we even get to? So Matt verse, cor- uh, Matt, Matt verse, Matt Sharp, Matt verse. verse chorus, second verse, the guitars, kind of, it, it kind of opens up a lot. And this is where mm-hmm. I was saying earlier about the farty bass. This is mm-hmm. the first real instance of farty bass, like distorted farty bass coming in. All of the jokes she does scare me real good. Do you know I've said, my, my only note for this song, other than the two I've said already, is great bass tone. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was talking about the farty bass. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, farty bass doesn't have to be bad bass, but it no. is farty bass. And I think there's a key change, but when it gets into, it's either a key change or like some sort of key modulation or something. When it goes up into the solo, I call it a solo. It's not really a, it's more just like a, a thing that the guitar does. Before going back down to the original key, for the, for the outro, which I've said previously can really sap the energy of a song. But usually you take it up the tone, don't you? Like living on a prayer. Yeah. Whereas I think you they've know, they've gone to like some sort up. of relative relative major or relative minor or something like that instead. Mm. And it's just so yeah, going back doesn't sap any energy. If anything, it kind of somehow goes from having a lift when it changes to having even more of a lift when it changes back. Uh, probably because of what they're they're playing. Yeah. Right, that's that's three songs in. Boom, done, baby. All right. All right. Slow down, Jake. Slow down. Why bother? 
Whoa! Uh, if you're wondering why that was a good joke, it's because the next song is called Why Bother. So this is the uh, the power pop song. Like if my, you could, my first note is literally pure pop punk. Yeah, pop punk basically and power punk are essentially the same thing. There's yeah. slight differences, but um, for all intents and purposes, they're, they're the same thing. Uh, as I've said previously, this album was a, a big influence on a lot of the emo bands came that came later, and this song is sort of like the the epitome of emo yeah. stuff that would come later, at least lyrically. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this definitely lends kudos to it. It's the shortest song on the album. It's just over two minutes long. So it doesn't quite get micro song status. No, 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 no. My, micro song is its own unique thing. This is this is like... This is a full yeah. song. It's a short song, but it's... Um, it's a like short said, song, but it's, it's a, a power pop song. song. So yeah. it has to be short. A lot of energy for a song that lyrically is pretty apathetic. Uh, um, mm-hmm. You know, he's. Um, I, I quite like that when songs do that, where the music doesn't actually match the the lyrics. Like the lyrics can be really hateful, but actually the music's quite nice, quite upbeat and, and full of yeah, yeah, yeah. I quite like it when songs do that. Yeah, it, it's basically just him being really apathetic about his love life, and and it's just full of teen teenage angst, despite the fact he'd have been in his mid twenties at this point. Uh, mm. You know, mm. it's like get get it out your system, Rivers, get it out there. Well, having said that, the, the the verse kind of doesn't have that same level of energy. No, no, the chorus, sorry, doesn't have the same level level of energy as the verse would do. Which is a, it's a nice change on the system, isn't it? Normally, the verse is the kind of like plods along, and then the chorus is like yeah, rousing chorus. Well, it's yeah, it's that classic uh, Pixies Nirvana. Yeah, exactly. Like, soft verse, big chorus. Whereas this one, it's full of energy in the verses while he's talking about stuff. And then when he's being all like, oh, why bother? Mm. Gonna hurt me. Dun, 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 dun. That kind of drops down a bit, which is um, yeah, which is, which is nice. You get just a little bass drum build up thing. And you're like, oh, what's mm-hmm. this going to do? And it just goes, you know, into full on power pop or pop punk. Full on frisbee throwing power pop. Blast through a verse, goes into a chorus. We rinse and repeat the formula that we all know and love, pa- uh, patented by, of course, Brainiac. Uh, uh, and boom, <laughs> we're at the guitar solo in under a minute. Wow. That's very, pretty good going. Very well done. <laughs> yeah. Normally it's like, oh yeah, you need to get to the chorus re- ideally within, you know, 45 seconds. No, no. Yeah. First chorus done, solo, right. Rhythm <laughs> is like, I'll do you one better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can get through two choruses. And then it's kind of got like a pre-verse, almost build-up thing to bring us back into the verse for one more verse and it just repeats the chorus to the end. Bosh. Can we talk about the solo though? Uh, well, I, was, I just want to say, we've actually probably been talking about this song now for longer than the song is. <laughs> oh, we, we definitely will because, yeah, I've got quite a bit to talk about that. Oh, solo. yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Go nuts. Friends of the show, Genius.com state this about the solo. This solo was originally performed using Rivers's, Rivers's voice. 
Rivers's voice. Yeah, there you go. I, I think when it's, when it's something like Rivers, you'd just say using Rivers' voice with the apostrophe after the S and then you wouldn't... Isn't, isn't that yeah, what you you'd still, do? You, no, you still have to pronounce the, the extra S even if you don't put it. Do you? Yeah, I think so. Rivers' voice, well, I suppose. Yeah, maybe. This was originally performed using Cuomo's voice <laughs> instead of a guitar. But Matt Sharp said he sounded nothing like a guitar. Well, that's because it's his voice, mate. And threatened to quit the band. They couldn't find a guitar on such short notice and had to modify Cuomo's voice to sound like one. This was the last straw for Matt. So he quit the band, formed the band The Rentals, and sat there seething for years. I think that was C Nation for Cuomo. How can you hate the C Nation? Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's um, actually all true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you listen to it, and we'll we'll play you a clip as well, but mm. you can clearly tell it's it's his voice and not a guitar, uh, and it's it is kind of amazing. You, 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 I say it's clear, but you, you kind of don't realise your ear plays a trick on you when when you're listening mm. to it, and it, you kind of think it is a guitar. But as soon you as almost, I saw that, yeah. as soon as you I saw almost, that, it clicked. Yeah, it's it's like um. Was it like when you're reading a color, but when when you read the word like purple, but the the color of the word, the ink of the it's red, is and red then you've got to try and say purple, and but it's yeah, it's like that whole brain fart situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's really impressive, and and kudos to them for coming up with that little production technique by by themselves. I, I don't think it's been done since or before or since. I don't think anybody's anybody's been brave enough. No. You don't want your bass player leaving. That's the surefire way to get your bass player to leave the band. I mean, yeah, I'd I'd leave any band that did that. You you just watch. We're going to be in a comfort session one day. You're going to be winding me up, and I'll just say, "Hey, Brendan, what if what if we just put the guitars down?" Well, I mean, that's you know, I, I'm all against. I'm all for having like vocal so- solos, but um, if you're going to do a guitar solo with a vocal, you've got to like kazoo it or something at least. Yeah, you know. I'm going to dust off my case of kazoos. My diatonic kazoo series, or yeah. um, or go for something like the automatone. Um, oh, you know. that's that's a good shout. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of all I've got for this one. Across the Seas, the next song. Basic gist of it. He got a letter from a fan. He wrote a song about it. Now, a lot of Weezer fans think this is their best song, according to Weezerpedia. Weezerpedia. I don't know if it's called... I can't remember if it's called Weezerpedia or not, but it's the Weezer Wikipedia, basically. Um, well, I'd say all the songs that we listed at the beginning of, like, all the hits from all the other albums... Are better than this yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take it back, Weezer fans. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I love this song. This song is so quirky and charming. I really, I really do yeah, like it. It's really wild. I a lot got of... your letter. You got this song. Oh, when I, I really love that. When I saw that on there, I was like, really? They all think this is the best one? Okay. I mean, it's the band that gave us We Are All On Drugs. And you think this is their best song? Okay. Fair enough. You're entitled the band to it. That gave us yeah, Troublemaker. I like Troublemaker. Yeah. That's a good song. They're they're entitled to their opinion. I mean, they're wrong. They're entitled they're to their wrong. opinion. They're <laughs> wrong. Um, 
Look it up. Yeah, I, I don't look it up on Weezerpedia. Obviously, look it up on no. a, an actual good source, um, which yeah. with citations. But yeah, starts with a really nice piano part. And a yeah. um, an instrument that I'm not entirely sure what it's called. And I was trying to find out, you know, what's the other instrument in the intro to this song, and nobody makes any mention to it anywhere. And it's no, it's not in the liner notes. Nobody Isn't mentions it like, any additional. It's like a, I, need, I need to hear it again. I, I can't I feel like it's like a it's, like a Japanese flute it, or something. It is that sort of thing. I just don't know what yeah, they're yeah. called. I don't know specifically. It's the kind of thing where you say, "Oh, it's this instrument," and it's actually something incredibly similar, but not. And then yeah, someone yeah. picks you up on it, and then you're an idiot on the internet. Yeah, and actually, that's the core on Glade, Jake. Yeah, it's like oh, yeah, oh, sorry. That's a peep show reference. My dad will like that one. No, can I make a mention of the piano? Mm. It, I really like the soft kind of plinking of the piano at the start. It, I don't know, it it puts me in that Japanese kind of mindset. Mm. Of just the, how wonderfully kind of innocent the the Japanese people are, the culture of J- Japan is, you know. Granted, when the lights go off, they can be, <laughs> you know, karaoke monsters. But yeah, I just I just love how wildly innocent they are. Whereas over here, we're so dry, and in New Zealand and so on, we're all just so dry, and everything's a double entendre, and yeah. yeah. Uh, it just seems to go over the Japanese heads a little bit. Fair enough. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I like that piano. It really reminds me of that, that innocence. Fair enough. There, yeah. You also get um, some background happenings in the beginning of this one. So there's like a door closing. There's someone like laughing, I think, like in the background or saying something. And you know what would have been really nice? It's a nice clean guitar to come in to back it up. And oh, is that yeah. what we get? No. No, we get like a massive, it's not loud, but it's just a massively distorted guitar to accompany this nice plinky piano. One of the notes I've got here just says all of the chords, every single one. Um, There's a lot of chords in this song. (laughs) Every single one. I didn't click to what you were saying there until you had to literally say every single one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. yep. it's, it's such a, a lengthy chord progression. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah. We'll, we'll get into this. I can't remember which one, which song it is. It's it's coming up and it might be the next song. But um, there is there is a point where these songs start to become just musical exercises. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that when, yeah. when the time comes. But um, when the when the distorted guitar comes in, in order mm. to make it, you know, have some dynamics, you only get it in one ear because you know ultra because, mono, as they yeah, say, ultra mono. Because you've got to you've got to save the other ear for the chorus. You got to save the other ear so that just all the all of that sound actually does go out the other side. Well, yeah, that's that's how sound. Otherwise, works, your brain might explode. Yeah. yeah. So when the chorus kicks in, <laughs> that's right. Wilhelm is there. When the, that is just the chorus. Yeah. It's just Wilhelm. Um, yeah. And it's amazing, once again, how they've managed to manipulate it to sound like um, um, music. But it's just Wilhelm. Yeah. It's just Wilhelm, yeah. Um, if you, Through a kazoo. If you speed the clip up by about 300%, it, mm. it's just Wilhelm. It's incredible. It's just Wilhelm. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Uh, and I think they had to, you know, they had to obviously um, 
accentuate some of the frequencies, but um, mm. mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful stuff. Seriously though, the, the chorus is is literally it's more of the same. It's just you get another guitar come in. It's yeah. it's a good chorus. It's quite quite a catchy one. A lot of the choruses on here are quite catchy. It does contain, like I say, probably one of my favourite Weezer lyrics, which is the "You, I've got your letter, you've got my song." There's something about that that is so earnest and just so quite, sweet, quite endearing. Yeah, yeah. Solo. Getting some uh, technical uh, stuff right now. Oh, technical chat with Jake. Uh, so the solo does a little bit of key modulation, right? So mm. you're moving from a G to an E major, which of course we all know to be the parallel major of the original key's relative minor. Uh, and it stays there for the following bridge before modulating back to the G for the final verse and chorus, obviously. Yeah, the funny thing is, like, that makes total sense to me. <laughs> That makes total sense to me, but like, I've been trying to do keys with uh, Year Ten class recently. Oh, talking, to, just talking I, about relative majors and minors, and that I is mean, blowing their mind. They can't handle it. It is when you think if you take a step back, it's, it is really simple music. For oh yeah, it's just, when you say it, it sounds really impressive. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is the simple thing. This is, and I think they're getting really demoralised because I keep going. Come on, guys! This is this is really simple stuff. This is really simple. Like, you take is, your original tone, you move it back three semitones, and that is your relative minor. So if you have a C, you move it back to a B to a B flat, and then an A, and the A minor is your relative minor. And yeah, that's when I get books chucked at me and stuff like that. You know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously never read the AB Guide to Music Theory. No. Which was no, no, back no. when I was at college. That was considered like essential reading. I don't know if it still is, though. Um, I mean, music theory doesn't change, right? I mean, I know it's called music theory, but it's not like a... Oh, you've got part two. Oh, the fancy man. Yeah, I think if you look at if you look at them, part one's been used a lot more than part two. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes, I've got I've got part one and part two of that. Actually, there's a I mean, they, let's uh, not get into music theory because let's uh, not get into music theory. But if you are interested in getting into music theory, they they are act legitimately the AB Guide to Music Theory, the uh, part one, is, uh, is a really good place to start. Yep. So that's kind of all I've got for this song, though. Um, have you got anything you'd like to to add? Nope. I'm I'm all good. Next song, The Good Life. So this song sees uh, Rivers Cuomo sort of going back the other way. Uh, he's had enough of being celibate. He, he wants to go back to being yeah. a rock and roll badass. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> that is the title of your next album. Not rock and roll badass. <laughs> rock and roll badass. Jake, rock and roll badass. 
I like that. I like it. It just sounds like a cheap knockoff of Kid Rock. You know, American Badass. Uh, Maybe I could sample that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you'd want to, but yeah. Why wouldn't you? Who loves? We all love Kid Rock. This is a kid. Do we? This is a Kid Rock appreciation show. I'm slowly moving it that way. You haven't realised yet, but it will uh, become evident in episodes to come. <laughs> Why do you think we've been focusing on the '90s so much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, he, he's had enough of his celibate old man mm. on campus lifestyle. He wants to go back. Uh, I I think this is probably my favourite chorus on the album. Just something about it just really sticks sticks in my mind when I hear it. To me, it's the most catchy, uh, I, and people will disagree with me on that one probably, and that's that's fair play. I mentioned El mm. Scorcho earlier. Uh, I think that's a very very catchy one as well. But for me, this is you know the chorus. They released this as a single to try and turn their fortunes around after El Scorcho didn't do very well, uh, and uh, this it, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah so it starts off with the guitar doing very basic mm-hmm. riff it's just g g g e g g g e and it expands on it you know yeah. that that riff then becomes a full-on chord progression when the bass and the drums kick in and yep. the vocals the bass is once again it's quite gainy uh and, and, and a little bit farty again then get a pre-chorus taking us back to the simple riff. And that pre-chorus leads us into a verse. Genius. Genius. Yeah. So yeah, a pre-chorus. Start. I know. Uh, almost, almost like a full stop, but the false yeah. chorus. So that takes us into second verse, which is more or less the same verse, but you get another guitar doing like the higher octave stuff. Excuse the bitchin'. Mm-hmm. Literally just playing the octaves, I think. And you'll never guess it. After the pre-chorus, right, they actually play a chorus this time. Uh, you know, they chickened out. it's a out. fantastic chorus. They chickened out and it is a fantastic chorus. Yeah. Super it catchy. It really does open up, the, open up the song, right? Yeah. Well, funnily enough, yeah. so it, it's double tracked, vocally, mm-hmm. fantastic. Nobody but me. The thing I, the, one of the things I thought really kind of lent this some energy for this chorus, that there aren't really a lot of symbols in this song, other than the odd crash and like mm. the hat going, but just with the foot. So just using yeah. the pedal. Yeah, yeah. And then it's really simple, but in the chorus you get hats, open hats, just doing big open hats. And that yeah. gives it so much like oomph and, uh, and chutzpah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the old school recording method like post Beatles but there's um well friends of the show our lord and saviour he actually banned cymbals from being played on one of his records so he got Phil Collins to come in and record and just went yeah but don't play any cymbals mate okay is that because it messed with the gated reverb that was part of it that was that was the album that they they all discovered gated reverb but Mm. It was more, he he was trying to limit what Phil Collins could do and force Phil Collins to be a bit more creative in that sense. Mm. But then, yeah, from there, the guys, um, is it Hugh Padgham, 
that was recorded at the townhouse. Hugh Padgham, mm. Nick Lornay, and so on. All of those guys started to record drums dry without any cymbals and then record another layer of just cymbals. Mm. So, like, you'd have the drummer sitting there. They'd put carpet on the cymbals, so they'd still hit the cymbals in their drum takes. Okay. You, so, wouldn't, you wouldn't hear anything. Yeah. Like, they're basically just hitting a piece of carpet or something. Yeah. And then they'd come back and they would just literally sit there playing hi-hat kind of thing. And, you know, it's probably through doing that. And it is it is things like yeah, limiting the amount of cymbals that you use because they're a bit of a overused commodity now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you know, it's it's easy just to go to a something like that just as a, you know, it's like you'll have a go-to chord shape, you know. Oh, yeah, exactly. And it's, you know... Every youth band that you go and see, the drummer will do a cymbal after four bars. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's always a crash. Kind of thing after, after is always a crash, and if they're really confident, they might do a fill every four bars, and it becomes that formula. Yeah. So yeah, we get the uh, so we have a chorus opens up as we've said, uh, and mm. it ends on that weird before going back into yeah. the, which I've always really loved. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> We're going back into the verse. So once again, we rinse and repeat as, you know, it's the 90s, that's what we did. And then we get a really frantic mid-late solo mm. thing going on. key change i think so yeah. A, yeah a bit of a key change going on which just sort of pitters out into <laughs> it just sort of kind of like like it doesn't really stop it just everyone just kind of kind of goes are we are we done uh, uh, what what's happening uh, oh okay yeah oh, yeah. oh that the bit, yeah the glockenspiel yeah. and the slide guitar have come in right we're done yeah yeah uh, exactly yeah <laughs> um which is really nice bit of a build up because you know rivers cuomo wants to go back back to the verse no Back, to the, back to the good life. Yeah. So he just goes back to his chorus, back to his good life. It feels like there's a tempo change. I don't think there is. Once again, I didn't sit down and put a click track over at the top of it, but it feels... I didn't feel like that, but yeah. To, to me, it just... That Maybe. last chorus feels faster. Possibly. They might not have even recorded it to a click track. They might not have done. They, they might yeah. not have done. Then we just get one more verse, some dynamic shifts, because it's kind of, mm -hmm. you know, you goes very quiet and... You almost get a clean guitar, not quite. Repeat your chorus to see you out. Bosh, done. I uh, so two things. I love the snarl of "I'm a pig, I'm a dog." Oh yeah, I think that's that's absolutely fantastic. And the ending with the hits, really like that. Can't think of the ending. No, so am I. I'm oh, just, just so it goes. It just, yeah, um, I can think of it. It just kind of. Um, once again, it's one of those things where if you were live, you'd just be looking at each other going, are we, are we, yeah, 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 okay, done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all about the eye contact, baby. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They, they might have even done that in the studio. I don't know. You know, they're just watching Patrick from the from the control room. It's like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. he hasn't caught the Frisbee yet. We're not done. No, we don't have a Frisbee. Um, all we have is this ride. Um, Patrick <laughs> catches this ride. <laughs> Slices his fingers off. Yeah. <laughs> it's still playing. He wouldn't miss a beat. I promise you. No, he's he's that good. He he is very good. Oh, my God. 
Pink Triangle. So we're we're coming up to the last three songs. And You've missed this... the song. Have I? Oh, I've missed El Scorcho. El okay. Scorcho. El Scorcho. Of course, famous from the Far Show. Oh, that was El Scorcho, I suppose, rather than El Scorcho. It was the first single from the album. It didn't do great, which is a shame because it is a great song. Friends of the show, you can listen from three, two, one. Lop. And secondary word of the show, which non-friends of the show are allowed to hear, great. <laughs> didn't do great. Great song with a great riff. That sort of just goes throughout more or less the entire song. So you're, you're trying to say not. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. So we get like a weird little gargle to start with. And I kind of felt like they were maybe trying to recapture the start of Undone, the, the sweater song, with the simple drums and the background vocal yeah. stuff over the guitar riff. Maybe not, but it it kind of has a very similar thing going on. Yeah, a lot of that on. kind of... Um... Yeah. Not not necessarily ambient noise, but captured sound. Yeah, exactly. You know, like almost like field recordings. Yeah, yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. Verse, it's two guitars playing more or less the same thing, but slightly off. It's it's a very loose kind of thing that Fantastic they've got going riff, on. Though. Yeah, yeah, really like. And it. I think the fact that they are both playing it so loosely, it, it just kind of builds on each. Which we've mentioned before about guitars being slightly off from each other, and oh, yeah. it, it just kind of adding. To the sound. God damn you half Japanese girls. Do it to me every time. And Makes vocals it sound much bigger. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you've got vocals and drums. No bass. Sad face. The drums, they kind of feel like they've they sound like they've got a tom ringing out throughout the whole thing. And and that sort of provides that low end. It's just this ringing out tom. It's really um possibly, yeah. Annoying. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. Oh, we like fair, fair play, but it's it's the kind of thing that if I was mixing it, I'd be like, ah, oh, oh. God, <laughs> yeah, the kind of uh, thing that if you're uh, if you're Matt Sharp, you're sitting there not very happy either. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. Well, we, Rivers has already done the vocal guitar, so you've already committed to leaving. Oh, the you've band already at this committed point. to leaving, <laughs> so yeah, you don't really care. Yeah. You're sitting there watching them make these mistakes. Yeah. Maybe he is playing bass, but they just went like, and justice for rule on it. And just... Uh... Oh. oh, no, he didn't. Oh, um, no, he didn't. Who knows? Maybe that's what that, that ringing out Tom sound actually is. It's it's a full-on bass line that they just yeah. like write down. <laughs> yeah, leave our band, will you? Yeah. When the chorus kicks in, we get some bass, the best instrument. And man, it is a really catchy chorus. The, the yeah. riff just keeps going, but it's just like the the vocal melody is um, just great. <laughs> great. Well, yeah, and let's uh, let's talk all about that. Okay. Do you want to do the honors? I'm a lot like you. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what did you actually want me to say uh, <laughs> about the the green genius annotation? Oh, I haven't got that note on here. I was hoping you'd you'd point it out I've when got we got it. to that one. I've got it. Are you right to... Oh, yeah. sorry. And that's not even what I wanted to talk about just yet. It is on this song. But let's talk about the melody. Yeah. Okay. 
So Rivers has uh, shared that he wrote the melody for the chorus during a music theory class whilst at Harvard. So yeah, that's that's actually how he came up with it, and he adapted that into this song. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna say it is catchy. I know, obviously, it's, it's oh, it's very catchy. Being written, but it, like you say, it kind of comes across as having been written to be catchy. Yeah, but I mean, that's how all of these people in the Brill Building were working at the you well, know, yeah, way back yeah, when. That's true. You know, they were actually doing exactly that. But anyway, something worth mentioning for the first time ever in the history of all sound purchase and genius.com's yep. kind of relationship. And, and we do go to genius.com for every episode. Every episode. Every episode, just to I check. I want to say, I can't remember which episode I actually found found this out on. I, know, I want to say it was something like King Crimson, episode two. But anyway, for the first time ever, there was a green annotation, an author's note. Mm. Rivers Cuomo himself has actually written about the line. He has annotated his own song lyrics online because he is a legend. Yep. So he said, come on, come down on the street and dance with me. I took this line from a really cheesy song Pat and I used to laugh at. It's an inside joke. (laughs) Nobody was asking Rivers, but... uh... (laughs) It's the 90s alt-rock party song, especially with that chorus, big sing-along song. Mm. Yeah. I don't like the double time, though, that they go into. Not a fan of that. Pink triangle. Basically, uh, I learned during this that the pink triangle is is a gay uh, symbol or like an allies symbol. I, I didn't know. Did you know before you did this? I. It's not something I've ever seen before, to be honest with you. No. Obviously, you're familiar with a lot of the the flags. That's that, that's sort of the mm. the symbols of the moment, isn't it? So, yeah, it's like the, the the gay pride flag or the trans yeah. flag, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, never seen the pink triangle. Uh, and basically, he uh, had a thing for a lady, and in his head, he's built it up, and then she has the pink triangle, and he sees it, and he's like, oh, idiot boy, she's a lesbian. Duh. And that's about my notes for this song, so you're, you might have to pick up some slack, Stefan. Okay, so that that ties into another friend of the show, the great Kevin Smith and his film Chasing Amy, where Ben Affleck basically goes through that exact thing, and he's... Um, yeah, and this is, if I remember correctly, when we tried to record this episode last time, this is where we started getting off the rails, talking we, about Ben Affleck hitting on younger younger chicks. We did, and we're not going to do that yeah. this time. No. You know, no, for all Ben Affleck's... Say, it's me. And it's it's almost in his Batman voice, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. For all of Ben Affleck's okay. faults, they're already out He's there on the internet. We don't need to put that out. fine Batman. He is easily one of the best yeah. Batmans. Um, yeah. You know, he's no Val Kilmer.
Well, there we go. Next song in the bag. <laughs> Next song. That's one in the bag. I think this is possibly the first proper clean, clean guitar on the album. Ooh. Uh, at least uh, electric guitar. It lasts about 15 seconds. Mm. And then it goes back to big distortions, lots of feedbacks of the second guitar. Very simple drums again, but just like powering through it. This is possibly my least favourite song on the album. I just find it a bit boring. Yeah. Well, a couple of notes I got. Allegedly, the Korean like spoken word at the beginning of the song was radio interference with, I was going to say Rivers's, but Cuomo's amp. So I'm I'm not sure how they got that, but apparently it just showed up and they as they started to record a take. I mean that's I can believe I used to have a um a bass amp that would pick up in, in, like some Eastern European radio thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no idea how it was like. We always thought assumed it was Russian, but it could have easily been like Polish or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't speak any of those You're languages. Trying to play some like post-punk, post-grunge sort of you know, sludginess, and then all of a sudden you got some raven Euro dance in there. I wish. That would have been amazing. <laughs> um, it was almost like talk radio. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. So, yeah, I could see that happening. I mean... Next note is that I thought this was actually No Surprises by Radiohead there for a minute. I Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see... There's a, there's a moment where it sounds like it, and then for a reason that escapes me, just holy cow. I don't know why I've got that written down. I don't know. I you might need to elaborate on that one. <laughs> I I don't I don't act, I can't remember why I've got that written down. There must be a point in there where it's like holy cow. wow, you, holy cow! You that's might need awesome. to listen to it again. <laughs> so you, our dear listeners, can have a listen to it and think that must have been Stefan's holy yeah. cow moment. We'll leave it up to you to decide. And get back for this to us. One. It's it's just a yeah, um, yeah. it's just like an audience participation episode. Yeah. You get to decide. I did see actually the uh the people that we upload our podcasts to, they've got a thing where you can like leave voice messages for the podcast. Okay. So like someone could basically ring us oh, and leave a us a, an MP three of themselves discussing one of our things. I don't know whether we're at that stage yet. I'd like to be eventually because that could provide me with some really great stings. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, to be fair, most yeah, anyway. most of the people who are going to be leaving anything are, are people who have either, who have been on the podcast already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> parents, or yeah, yeah, or or that crazy Bill Clinton guy from um, LimeWire. <laughs> my, my fellow Americans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, nice, nice. Right, last, last song? song, Butterfly. All right. The, by far and away, the cleanest song on this album. I think it's just an acoustic guitar, a bit of drums and vocals, right? I don't think there's anything more to this one. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice, I've put a nice solo acoustic mm. number. And allegedly, it's Weezer's only fully acoustic song. Really? Apparently. Oh, fair play to you, Weezer. You did it. 
you know, you did, you did it. it early in your career, so you wouldn't ever have to do it again. Well done. Yeah. Well done to you. Now go back to the making guitar sounds with your mouth, yeah, please. That's all we ask for. Yeah. Uh, if that's all I like, want. Yeah. And and the the silly falsetto vocals. Um, I've I've just had a brain explosion, Jake. We need to do a cover album just using our mouths, like not not anywhere near as good as someone like Bobby McFear and just you and I sitting there going. Did I ever play you a? Um, it was a YouTube thing. I can't remember. If it was. Um, I think it might have been like Master of Puppets, but. It was done entirely using vocals, so them doing all of the sounds themselves. No. But uh, yeah, Master of Puppets, but every instrument is my voice. And, and he's done uh, a few. No, but that sounds amazing. And, and it's, I thought it was going to be like him just doing like, you know, and then that's like your open yeah. hat sound and he'd do it through MIDI. No, no, that's not what he's done. He's actually gone through the entire song, done each instrument by him just going, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> You know, the full, however long that song is. What is it like? Seven minutes or something like that. Awesome. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you the link. I, I need that link. Hang on. Yeah. Let's do that now. That sounds phenomenal. Um, All right, well, we, we got through it with not a single single tangent. Well done. We stayed on topic the entire time. Well, I'm impressed. Did yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know it felt like we didn't, but actually it was all related to the album, so it's um, fine. Let's crack on with our questions then. Favourite song, Stefan? Butterfly is stunning. I really like Butterfly, and you know me, I'm a bit of a softie at home. I'd like to say, we, we did brush over that last one, but it is a beautiful song. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but sometimes the 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 beautiful ones are actually the hardest ones to get notes yeah, for. Yeah, you know, in that same sense. That being said, the yin and the yang, butterfly is nice, but I also like get you. I think get you is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's fair. There's just so much swagger in that song, and of course, across the sea just blew me away. Like, there's something so sweet about that song. <laughs> I just. From the from the very first moment I heard it, I was in the Sainsbury's parking lot listening to it, and I had to stop. And I stopped the car and sat in the car and listened to the full song. I was that taken by it before I even got out. Nice, nice. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but not so, their best song. One of those three. Not their best song. No, not not by a long shot. I mean, you're pretty hard pushed to get past Buddy Holly. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Buddy Holly is like one of the most complete pop songs in the history of all pop music. Wow. Well done, Weezer. It's a pretty damn good song. It's a damn good song, you know? yeah. They got Whammy in there and everything. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah. So you have to pick one. Today, I think, is an across the sea. Across day. the sea. Fair enough. Well, I think yeah. you know what I'm going to say is my answer. Uh, the good life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's been my go-to guitar riff for years. Um yeah. Uh, and I love it. It's say great chorus, favorite chorus. Yep. Well, who who should do a cover of what song? Okay. I think Cake would do a really good version of The Good Life. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, obviously it'd be a bit more dialed back. I don't think it would be quite as aggressive 
and it would be a little bit more funky. Mm. There'd be a hell of a lot more bass going on, but, you know. And some trumpet. Cake would do, and some trumpet. But, uh, yeah, Cake doing The Good Life, or actually another another friend of the show, The Flaming Lips doing Across the Sea. Oh, yeah, I can see that. That'd be, yeah. Oh, that's a really good shout. Well done. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Good shout. Well, I, I thought um, Deftones doing a cover of El Scorcho. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would be really good. I can really see Chino Marino just nailing the vocals. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I can just hear it in my head. And Deftones do, uh, they've done a few Weezer covers live, things like that. I think they're, they're quite big fans, but um, they haven't done like a proper studio version. I want to hear a proper studio version of Deftones doing El Scorcho. Well, there you go. Make it happen. Someone, please. Yeah. Okay, does this does this come into your top 10? Yes. Hey. I am going to put this in sixth place, and you'll be happy to know if you were looking at the top 10s before we started recording. It was in ninth place, but now having talked about it again. You've pumped it up a couple. I've, I've actually <laughs> pumped it up because it's like, yeah, this is a damn fine album. So currently it is sandwiched between Force Field by Tokyo Police Club and Fully Completely by The Tragically Hip. Very nice. Well, uh, it's going in my top 10 as well, which unfortunately does mean that Fashion Nugget is, is not going to be in it anymore. I, I am sorry. I can't remember what, I, what I've bumped off for this one. But I'm putting it in at number three. I'm, a, as, as you know, a massive, massive fan of this album. I, I do think it is Weezer's best album. It's just great. It's phenomenal. It's you should, uh, and yeah. Uh, well, that brings us on to the final question, Stefan. Um, you all know Hold the answer. Hold on, no, sorry. I'm disappointed. Why? I was certain, like 110% certain, that Angel Dust was going to get knocked off the oh, top spot. Oh, no, 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 no. Not yet. No, no, not, not yet. We've not done one of my preferential albums. I mean, this is up there, but it's not. Uh, I, I think Angel Dust is a better album. And I'm surprised you put it. Below Brainiac, to be honest. I know that you like the Brainiac album, but this is this has got the nostalgia vibes too. It's got the nostalgia vibes, but um, Kissed Me, You Jacked Up Jerk is one of the finest songs <laughs> ever written. So uh, it doesn't matter. So yeah, for me, it's going at number three. Okay. Stefan, is Pinkerton by Huiza a sound purchase? You can't see, folks, but he is holding up a newly purchased copy of Weezer's Pinkerton on vinyl. Correct. Purchased from the resident of residence. Resident? It was purchased from resident. Resident yep. of Brighton. Yes, and it's actually fairly reasonable. It's a, it's a fresh pressing, but it's, a, I think it was £18 or £19. That's not too bad. Not I too would bad. have expected Weezer's a bit trendy at the moment, so I was expecting it to be up there, and given that this is quote-unquote their best album... I was expecting it to be up in the 30s. Yeah, but it's also like a popular choice for best album. Whereas, you know, when it's one of the, uh, oh, actually, I think you'll find that Hurley's their best album because uh, <laughs> the songs are actually... Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's. Mm. I think it's at a point where it's kind of too mainstream to really, for, for a repressing at least, to have any big, big values. Mm. Mm. Big, big monies. Oh, well. And how about yourself? Yeah, obviously. This is, uh, yeah. I love this album. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You should all go out and buy at least one copy, maybe two. Uh, you know, a copy for your car and a vinyl and buy it on iTunes or whatever, you know. 
digital copy, oh. CD, yeah. and if you can find a cassette, buy a Walkman well, and... To be fair, my uh, my copy of that I bought, the LP, actually comes with a download code, which they're not seeming to do anymore. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? I, I, that was like... It's really annoying. That was, that was like a big appeal. It's like, well, yeah, you can buy the record and you've got the record, great, but you can also just download yeah. it for free because, you know, yeah. what, what, what extra money does that cost us? <laughs> You know. Well, yeah, and I get. Well, I guess most people probably are just listening on Spotify. Anyway. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, where they're making what, like but, three, yeah. three cents per album listen or something. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, well, good. We, we we've done our bit. We've we've given Weezer our money. Yeah, yeah, several times over. Now it's time for you to do the same. Yo, I'm Jake, and this was Sound Purchase, a podcast as a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. This episode was patiently pieced together by producer and all-round good egg, Paul Lochran. Love you, Paul. You can show your appreciation for the episode when you like, review, share, and subscribe to us. Each engagement makes the effort all the more worthwhile, and the best way to grow the podcast is, as ever, by word of mouth. Your support is greatly appreciated. Check the show notes and all the gump at asoundpurchase.com. You can engage with us on social media under the handle soundpurchasepod. You can support us by buying all of our merch. Available at asoundpurchase.com forward slash shop. Other episodes are available at all the good podcast places. While you're here, become a friend of the show to gain access to lots of extra stuff. Bonus podcasts, blog posts, interviews, that sort of thing. You can join for free at asoundpurchase.com forward slash F-O-T-S. And as ever, if you've enjoyed the sounds during today's episode, visit your local record store, pick up a copy of Weezer's Pinkerton, support your local businesses and artists. 